0: lecture five part two of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard Ullathorne. this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture five on the grounds of humility part two the fifth ground of humility is in the weakness ignorance and concupiscence that we have inherited from original sin and have increased by our actual sins on our moral weakness we spoke in the last lecture as of a chief ground of humility whilst explaining st bernard's definition of humility but our corporal weakness has an enormous influence in causing our moral weakness we speak not of weakness of health but of weakness from loss of order and subjection to the soul there is nothing more humiliating to our life than that we carry about with us in our earthly frame the testimony of our sin and the testimony that god resists the proud and carry it in a body that is proud without intelligence in a body that is disordered in its members on fire with concupiscence rebellious against the spirit and lusting against the law of god this sensual body with an unruly flame in its nerves and blood drags the spirit down to partake of its blind egotism and stimulates the unguarded will to an inordinate ungenerous debasing self-love that develops into the elation of pride for this is the ordinary generation of evil concupiscence stimulates self-love self-love joins with concupiscence in stimulating the soul with elation elation swells the imagination with images of our self-importance that obscure the light of truth and act delusively upon the will the will thus excited and deceived accepts evil for good hence the vast importance of watching the first movements of elation and of being humble in the truth that we may be sensible of the first movements of self-elation this concupiscence is the inordinate appetite produced by the disordered senses and powers every man is tempted says st james by his own concupiscence being drawn and allured then when concupiscence hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. St. James, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. St. Paul calls this concupiscence the will of the flesh. Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 3, which, he says, is not subject to God, nor can it be. Romans, chapter 8, verse 7. The three concupiscences enumerated by St. John, all the rest are reducible. These are sensible concupiscence, curiosity, and pride. The concupiscence of the flesh, the concupiscence of the eyes, and the pride of life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Of these, the one that is the least considered. But should be the most because of its immense influence on the other concupiscences is the cupidity of curiosity of all cupidities it is the most destructive of innocence it awakens the senses to unknown evils sets the imagination at work upon them and kindles the flame of desire to taste and try the unknown from our first parents to their last descendants that curiosity which st john calls the concupiscence of the eyes has acted keenly on our mental faculties as well as on the imagination producing a thirst to obtain the sensible experience of what is forbidden and what is worse the very prohibition provokes curiosity let any one examine what has passed in his soul when he has been for some time inwardly drawn by a strong temptation towards evil and he will be surprised to find how large has been the influence of curiosity nor is this concupiscence of curiosity limited to the senses it acts with most subtle influence upon the pride of life especially in what regards strange doctrines of error heresy and infidelity all which saint paul with his inspired insight has not hesitated to connect with the concupiscence of the flesh by reason of its attraction for the imagination in these days the perils of curiosity are immensely increased not only because of the unguarded manners of social life but because the cupidity of curiosity is fed by the purveyors of every kind of information good and bad as well as by the professed entertainers of the imagination who write with little regard for innocence or purity the habitual indulgence of curiosity like the habitual indulgence of pride is very apt to grow until we are unconscious of being possessed by a passion so weakening to our moral strength, the three concupiscences are the more blinding when they are morosely kept working within than when they are manifested externally and thus become more visible. every one knows something of the blinding effects of sensuality and pride, but only the pure-hearted can see and understand how sensuality brutalizes the soul and pride associates us with the spirit of darkness and not only falsifies the soul but puts her in a point of view to see all things in a wrong light but that cupidity of curiosity which so much deranges the soul is not to be confounded with the just desire of knowledge and of being the enlightened subjects of the calm truth as it is in god evil curiosity is a passion that serves our evil appetites and concupiscences the just desire of knowledge looks forward to truth cupidity has a backward glance to the interests of selfishness ignorance of god and ourselves is the great sign that we have least cared about what most concerns us we are born in ignorance and receive the rudiments of knowledge with reluctance when we reach a greater knowledge of god and ourselves it is only through labour of mind and heart with the help of self-denial for our sensual nature works against the light and grace of god our sins again burn up the nerves of the soul break the spiritual bones of the mind and darken the light of the heart the visible world with its glorious show was made to lead our mind to god but through the predominance of sensuality over mind it takes us away from god we know not by any experience what it is to be born innocent and free and to have the light of god as the open sun of the soul we know not what it is to have a body at all times obedient and responsive to the soul and the soul at all times responsive to god the remedy for this painful and defective condition of our life is hard to nature for there is no other than mortification and self-denial yet the world denies and refuses the remedy because where there is question of freeing the spirit by denying inferior things and descending to things superior the spirit of the world is not only ignorant but cowardly even those who have the light of better things too often pursue the worse these undeniable features of the weak side of human nature Are most humiliating but they are chiefly humiliating when they do not make us humble as in the nature of things they ought to do and not only ought they to humble us but to show us the prodigious power of that divine grace of humility which is able to free the soul and keep her free from such a complication of snares and entanglements the sixth ground of humility is in the open perils and hidden snares with which we are surrounded st john did not express himself lightly or without inspiration when he declared that the whole world is seated in the wicked one one john chapter five verse nineteen that is to say it is seated within the power of the evil one the apostle is speaking of the heathen world, but it is unhappily an undeniable fact that a great part of what once was Christendom has returned to the thoughts, manners, and corruptions of the heathen world. Through a social atmosphere beflecked and begrimed with the contagious influences of cupidity, sensuality, vanity, and pride, the devout christian must walk his way to god error in all its forms unbelief in all its modes and varieties move in their motley shapes through nearly every grade of life with the apparent unconsciousness that truth is one and comes from god the widespread evil of modern life is the amazing indifference to the well-being of the soul the energies of the soul are thrown outwards where they are absorbed in restless activity upon material interests upon the pursuit of natural and secular knowledge and upon abstract speculations an intense activity outside the soul pursues its many ways in the name of progress although the object or ultimate aim of that progress is neither thought of nor spoken but it is chiefly a progress not to but from the soul not to but from god and it mainly consists in making and expending money in political and social rivalries in license under the name of freedom in having the results of natural science discovery and art in the enjoyment of literature and the world's news In the pursuit of pleasure in everything that begins and ends in this world whilst the interests of the soul and her sublime relations with god and his eternal truth and infinite good are either made of but secondary interest or are held in indifference or are locked in a deadly paralysis the self sufficiency of the heathen times has consequently returned as a sort of practical philosophy, supplanting the sense of dependence on God. The self reliance that springs from the notion of self sufficiency, and which is a very different thing from doing one's own duties, is a species of self worship as grotesque as it is contrary to the truth of things. It practically ignores the intervention of god in the affairs of his creatures but where the divine law of the virtues is made to give way to the humanly invented law of self-sufficiency still beset with the three concupiscences the divine virtues disappear and the natural virtues as in the heathen times are left to work upon the unsubstantial basis of pride pride with a gloss of politeness takes the place of humility a cluster of human opinions of the vague and hazy kind become the substitute of faith and the laws of modesty and purity are exchanged for manners and fashions that lead to boldness and license the literature of the world is the reflection of the world it has become so aggressive on the christian mind that one scarcely knows which of its books or periodicals to open in which there may not be some open or covered assault upon the truths of faith some attack upon the foundations of religion or some insidious invasion upon the purity of moral principles whilst not unfrequently there is an advocacy direct or indirect of one or more of the three concupiscences here the faithful soul has to guard against the cupidity of curiosity or she is thrown into danger without defence a grave statement of evil is one thing a seductive painting of certain evils is altogether another the first is calmly addressed to the calm intelligence the second is an allurement to the excitable imagination through which it stains and corrupts the soul again the spirit of the world is pride and the love of novelty whilst the spirit of the christian is humility and the love of those eternal things that are unchangeable yet always new and always wonderful and the newer and more wonderful the nearer we approach to them but the pride of the world is contagious and the love of novelty is an incessant distraction and a continual diversion from the better things such are some of the open perils that surround the earnest christian and against which he must guard his walks and ways where evil is everywhere it falls upon us like dust from the air and calls for constant purification it is a great humiliation to live in such an atmosphere but a much greater to be exposed to its infection yet what are we by nature but of this common mass of sinful humanity we have contributed of our own to the common evil and this is our greatest humiliation before god and where we have been preserved We have nothing to boast of because this is not from anything better in ourselves but of the infinite mercy of god and this gives us a great and special ground for humbling ourselves the more in his presence that we may be safe under his divine protection besides these open perils there are the hidden snares of the evil one Who secretes himself behind our concupiscences to do his hidden work? This is the significant sense of St. John when he says that the world with its concupiscences is seated in the wicked one. Of these hidden perils we have treated fully in the first lecture. What we have here to note is the ground for humility that we have in being surrounded and beset by those spirits of evil from whose insidious temptations humility alone can save us for the works of pride can only be encountered by humility and as the humble soul is under the protection of the most high god the weapons of pride cannot prevail against her hence the apostle warns the christian flock of ephesus to arm their souls with faith and justice that they may extinguish the fiery darts of the most wicked one ephesians chapter six verse sixteen the seventh ground of humility is in the special odiousness and deformity of pride we are assured on divine authority that pride was not made for man we have unhappily made it for ourselves it is the disease of devils and has made them monsters of iniquity and misery and we have contracted the life-devouring leprosy from them it is the vice of all vices the sin of all sins a shrewd writer has observed that men have a natural curiosity for monsters but that pride is a monster that is too familiar and too much akin to us to be stared at as a curiosity our unhappy familiarity with the vice prevents us from realising its monstrous deformity and excessive ugliness what can be so humiliating as to be the subject of a vice that perverts and blinds our spiritual nature to its centre even to men when it appears externally in other men pride is both odious and ridiculous and what must it be seen in all its interior deformity before god and his angels it is only when seen in the light of humility that we begin to understand how it eats into and undermines all truthfulness honesty and justice no cancer can eat its way more destructively into the soundness of the body Then pride eats consumingly into the health of the soul the very best gifts fall under its deadly influence and feed its voracious appetite like the cancer it works inwardly and corrupts the circulation of the spiritual life pride is the one and only enemy of god the malignant root and virulence of the vices the consumer of the virtues the falsification of the man pride is the lying spirit that sacrifices good to evil and even invents the semblances of good out of evil to augment the evil sacrifice making the man who sacrifices the good things of god to his own lust of self-exaltation contemptuously false and radically unjust pride affects independence and self-sufficiency and that in contradiction to all the facts in heaven on earth and in the nature of the man all proving with one voice that without innumerable dependences and providences he must perish soul and body thus pride is the most ungrateful and cruel of vices ungrateful to god and cruel to oneself pride is in direct opposition beyond every other vice to the order reason and truth of things and withstands the whole reason of humility we see then why god hates pride above all other evils why his chief punishments fall on pride and why it penally blinds the mind to truth and of its own malignancy corrupts the soul with injustice pride turns all things from god humility turns all things to god pride is the radical disease of the soul humility the radical health of the soul there is no neutral ground between these two and one of the greatest grounds of humility is the escape which it gives us From the most detestable vice of pride the eighth ground of humility is in the consideration of what this virtue does for us it is the essential foundation of all christian faith and charity and consequently the foundation of our salvation it is impossible to imagine a christian without humility or a perfect christian without profound humility for the very notion of christianity is founded in humility as the very notion of infidelity is founded in pride it opens the soul to the truth of christ and the heart to the grace of christ christ chose it for all strength and taught it for all strength what is pride but utter weakness and moral dissolution yet what pride can be healed except through the humility of the son of god what light can reach us from heaven or what charity can quicken the soul unless humility prepare the way for it you can make no road to the truth says st augustine but the one constructed by him who knows as god how feeble are our steps this road is in the first place humility in the second place humility and in the third place humility for although other precepts are given us unless humility go before the good we do and accompany that good and follow after that good unless humility is before us that we may see it and is brought to us that we may cleave to it and is laid upon us that we may be kept within due bounds whilst we are rejoicing in the good we do pride will wrench it altogether from our hands end of lecture five part two